Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, senior editor behind the SteelCurtain.com with you for another episode of Let's Ride. That's right, your Monday, Wednesday, Friday morning podcast is a part of the Behind the Steel Curtain podcast network. In case you've stumbled upon this on Twitter, maybe on the website, you can find us and not just me, all of our podcasts, anywhere where you get your podcasts. That's Anchor, Stitcher, Pandora, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play. I think I named them all. I'm sure there's others I missed. Just search Steelers or Behind the Steel Curtain. You are guaranteed to find us. Subscribe and follow so that you don't miss any of it. Monday through Friday, three brand new shows, morning, noon, p.m. Make sure you check us out because I feel like you're going to enjoy it. If you're a diehard Steeler fan, which all of my Ride or Die crew are, then you're going to love every single one of these shows. I'm really excited for this show. In the second half, I have someone that is a part of the Behind the Steel Curtain um Family, we'll put it that way, the podcast, writes for the website. And I have honestly never done a podcast with this individual. Never. And he's been with the website for a long time. Somehow, some way, the only time I've done a podcast with this individual is when he and, at the time, Michael Beck were doing a show last year post-NFL draft about Presley Harvin III. They had me come on to talk about punting. That's it. If you haven't figured it out yet, I'm talking about none other than our own Jeffrey Benedict will be joining me in the second half for the Monday morning conversation. I I really am excited to pick his brain about the Steelers, where he is confident, where he might not have as much confidence, talking about expectations for the season, all of it. Make sure you stay tuned and listen to all of this because you're not going to want to miss any of that segment. Now, when it comes to today's show in the first half, you know I always kind of wax poetic on whatever I want to talk about. Let's get to some news first. I'm not sure if I mentioned this on Friday, but there's a growing sentiment, and this is I've heard this uh, on Twitter from Mark Caballi of The Athletic. I've also seen Jeremy Fowler, used to be on the Steelers' beat, uh, is now a senior writer for the NFL, for for ESPN. They've all said that the Steelers have basically, they're done with their GM interviews. Uh, It was on Thursday, maybe it was Friday, where Brandon Hunt was the last candidate. There's six candidates that got callbacks to a second interview. That, that took over two weeks, by the way. They did the whole first round, then the NFL draft happened, they did a second round. I would only guess, and this is only a guess, keep that in mind, folks. I would only guess that there's a chance that in the, in the next two weeks we're going to hear about the new Steelers GM. If they do a third round, 
I know that they're doing their diligence and they're being very thorough, but what else can you learn from these two interviews? I can only imagine that these interviews are time-consuming. These interviews are long in duration, and they are very in-depth in terms of picking these prospects' brains about how they would handle things from the current roster to the draft to scouting departments, etc. I think you got to be ready for a GM being named soon. I would hope that there would be a GM being named soon. I don't know who is going to be. Uh, all these guys that have been coming in uh, have had really good backgrounds in one way or another. Whether it's the internal candidates of Omar Khan, that guy is a financial genius. He is the one that orchestrates the contracts and is able to restructure deals and create space. That's a, that is someone that might not fit the typical mold of general manager, but if you put other people around him, that are really smart football people. He could it could work. Uh, you Brandon Hunt, you know, you, you're talking about someone that has been with the system and been with the Steelers on multiple occasions. He is he's been Kevin Colbert's. He's been in his hip pocket the entire draft process at pro days. You've, you've always see those two together. That means something to me. But then you have all these other candidates that have other experience that is front office personnel experience that they bring to the table, and that's a different dynamic altogether. I'm excited to know who the Steelers' next GM is going to be, whoever it is, whether it's John Spitek, Andy Weedle, uh, Doug Whaley. Boy, that guy's getting beat to a pulp because he said that Jack Ham wouldn't be a backup special teamer in today's NFL, but still, we'll see. I'm excited to see that. Also, over the weekend, the uh, NFLPA's rookie premiere happened. This is an event, I believe it happened in a... I guess you would call it like an abridged capacity because Najee Harris went out there to California last year. This year, it seems to be back to the way it normally was. That is the NFL rookie premiere where you have these rookies, hand-selected rookies from every NFL team that go out. They meet legends. I, I saw rookie photos with Emmett Smith. Uh, Chad Johnson was there. Uh, there were some other Big name players, former players that are there to talk to these rookies about what it's like in the NFL, probably giving them some tips and some wisdom. There were three Steelers that were invited to this. Kenny Pickett, George Pickens, and Calvin Austin III. One of the most exciting things for this weekend for me, and I don't know why, this is literally just like young fanboy Jeff with the way he would think I, I love when they get to wear their uniforms for the first time. We've seen images of Kenny Pickett and these guys in their practice jerseys, in the helmets, and they're working their way through rookie minicamp. But there's something different about when they put on the actual uniform. The gold pants with the black stripe. They had the home jerseys. They look real sharp. If you missed the article, I wrote that article on Sunday morning. Go check it out. But it was really cool that Pickett, Pickens, and Austin were a part of that rookie premiere. Panini's out there. That's a trading card company. They always put out a, a trading card with their image and likeness on it. So it's pretty cool. That's the news from this week. What I want to talk about today. What I want to talk about today is that there are a lot of questions that Steeler fans want answers to. There's a lot of concerns that the Steelers fan base wants answers to, and they want to kind of have those concerns decreased, even if it's just a little bit. And I'm here to tell you, and this is the topic of the first half of the show, is that we are going to learn a lot about the Steelers in the coming weeks. Some of those questions that you have on the back of your mind, some of those issues that might be lingering and you're thinking, oh my gosh, what is this going to look like? What is this going to be? We're going to get some semblance of an answer. It might not be, uh, let's hope, it's a definitive answer one way or the other. It, there might be more questions after this, 
but it, we're going to be heading down the right path to getting some answers to some of these burning questions that have been lingering for a really long time. And that is because OTAs are, are starting. Not OTAs in terms of this is the very first. No, this is phase one is done. Phase two is now over. Now they go into phase three, 10 workouts. And these workouts are typically three days a week or so. You have everyone there. Rookies are there. Veterans are there. It is completely voluntary. Let's keep that in mind. But I'm also going to be honest with everyone. These voluntary workouts, they're actually more mandatory than you think. A coach can't say, you have to be here, but they're expecting full participation. And that's because the coaching staff, and honestly, I guarantee the majority of the players feel this way as well. You want everyone to be there. You want to use this time to get a head start and really get your team moving in the right direction before July hits in, I guess you could say, the second half of June and then into July before training camp starts. You want to get as much accomplished as possible. Now, again, it's voluntary. But phase three starts, and the reason why phase three gets more attention than the other two, phase one you're talking about, they just work out. It's literally just the it's the players and the strength and conditioning coach. Phase two, they can start to work with individual position coaches. So that's where you have, they can throw, they can catch, they can work on specific drills that are geared towards their position. However, they can't do any actual team drills that's why phase three we're talking seven on seven nine on nine eleven on eleven work this is when you have a lot of offense versus defense in the secondary you have some of that stuff happening it's more football than anything we've seen so far this offseason is it still football in shorts yes but it's still more football than what we've seen previously and at the very end of this is mandatory minicamp it is mandatory this is not voluntary. Mandatory minicamp is exactly what it says. It is mandatory. And so that's going to be something to keep in the back of your mind here when we're talking about all these OTAs and minicamp. Before we go any further, I want to just give you a quick recap. This is in the article that I wrote on Sunday morning about Phase 3 gearing up. Phase 3 is anywhere from May 23rd to June 17th. Teams may conduct a total of 10 voluntary Organized team activities or OTAs during this phase. No live contact is permitted. 7-on-7, 9-on-7, and 11-on-11 drills are permitted. The team's mandatory minicamp takes place during this time. So that's the NFL. Now, as for the the Steelers, their Phase 3 is going to begin on Tuesday, May 24th. That's tomorrow. And includes three sessions a week over two weeks, ending on Thursday, June 2nd. Then mandatory minicamp is held from Tuesday, June 7th through Thursday, June 9th. Say that again. So Tuesday, May 24th starts phase three of OTAs. It ends on Thursday, June 2nd. Mandatory minicamp is June 7th through June 9th. So there you have it. So what are we going to learn in the coming weeks? Well, we're going to learn a lot. I I think there's six things that we're going to learn, and I'm going to go through every single one of them. The top of this list, and I guarantee you as you're listening to this, you probably can say exactly, you know exactly what I'm going to say. We are going to get some semblance of an idea as to what's going on with Stefan Tuitt. Maybe not maybe not in OTAs Phase 3 because it's still voluntary, and there's a lot of veterans that choose to stay home, work out on their own, and I guarantee you Mike Tomlin is completely fine with that. Give, the, give those repetitions, even if they're not padded, to a younger player that needs them. But if Stefan Tua were to show up, well, that would be noticeable. That would be 
wow, every single website, every single outlet would be writing the article, Stefan Tuitt has arrived at OTAs and participating. That would be big news. But if he doesn't, and if he doesn't show up for Phase 3, mandatory minicamp, he's going to have to be there. Even if it's just in street clothes, he has to show up. And if he doesn't show up, he's got to have some type of, you know, I guess Mike Tomlin would have to excuse him. But that would just open up a huge can of worms, and the, the speculation would be never-ending. What we're going to see, though, is if Tuit does show up, even if it's just for mandatory minicamp, that is an answer that we've all wanted for months. Is he going to come back, or is he not going to come back? If he shows up for minicamp, if he shows up for OTAs, we have our answer. That's a good thing. Also, Deontay Johnson. He hasn't been at any OTAs yet. You know, you see the pictures and the images and uh, that the, the Steelers' social media team put out there from organized team activities, and you never see Deontay Johnson. He hasn't been there. Again, they're voluntary. You can't hold that against him. If he wants to work out with his people, that's fine. I mean, you think about what they've done so far. It's really he's not missing anything outside of team bonding. But in phase three, is he going to show up? Are the Steelers expecting this guy to hold out? There have been some rumors circulating at certain points in the offseason that Deontay Johnson wants a new contract. Is he going to get it? Are the Steelers the one that's going to give it to him if he does earn himself a big deal? Is he going to show up? I don't know. That's going to be interesting. That's going to be something we're going to learn about the Steelers is Deontay Johnson's role or lack thereof during Phase 3 of OTAs as well as mandatory minicamp. Also, Minka Fitzpatrick. Now, Minka Fitzpatrick is different than Tuit and Deontay Johnson in a lot of ways, not just positionally, in a lot of ways. I feel like Minka Fitzpatrick is cut from the same cloth as TJ Watt. Uh, and what I mean by that is that Minka Fitzpatrick is a smart guy. He understands what the Steelers value. They value players that want to put the Steelers at the forefront, not themselves necessarily. They don't fault anyone, any player, for wanting what's best for them, they are just thinking about, okay, what exactly is the best for the Steelers and for me? TJ Watt did that last year when he was at every training camp practice. He just didn't do team drills or participate in the preseason until he got his contract done. They called it a hold in, whatever. He was showing that he's going to be there. He was not saying, I'm not even showing up until I get a deal done. Minka Fitzpatrick has already been at OTAs. He's been at phase one. There was images of him working out with the team. He's been at phase two. More images of him being there. He was on the Cam Hayward schedule protector video. I feel like this is a guy that wants to say, look, I want to be in Pittsburgh. I like it here. Um, I like the coaching staff. I like my teammates. He's doing it the right way, in my opinion. But maybe we'll get a semblance of Minka, you know, where he stands, of what he's going to do, what he's not going to do. We might not know that till training camp, but it's going to be something to keep an eye on. All right, the next one is Mitchell Trubisky and Kenny Pickett with everyone there. We saw Kenny Pickett rookie minicamp throwing passes to Pickens and Austin and Connor Hayward, but we never, we haven't seen him throwing passes to Chase Claypool. We haven't seen Kenny Pickett throwing passes to Deontay Johnson if he were to show up or to Pat Fryermuth. Now we're going to get to see that. We're going to get to see how he commands a huddle with veterans. You heard a lot of rookies talking about, man, Kenny Pickett can throw it. His command in the huddle was good. When you're standing around your peers that are about the same age, it's easy. 
when all of a sudden you get in there and you're looking at James Daniels, you're looking at Chooksakor for these are veterans on their second contracts in the huddle. They are expecting you, a young guy, I don't care if Kenny Pickett's 24, a young quarterback to command the huddle. That's going to be something to keep an eye on. But Mitch Trubisky as well. This is his first go-around with the Steelers in terms of OTAs Phase 3 and mandatory minicamp. He's going to want to put his best foot forward, and this is when the pressure is going to start. I'm sorry, I know it's football and shorts. The pressure will be on these guys, including Mason Rudolph. Every single time you throw the ball, the pressure's on to deliver. That's I think that's going to separate. That's going to separate the wheat from the chaff. If you think about the Bible, ref, the biblical reference, that's going to separate who's going to be actually in competition in camp and who isn't. It starts now. I'm excited for that. Next, it's just the rookies and the free agents that are with their new team. Whether it's you know the six or seven rookies total, whether it's the free agents, whether it's Levi Wallace, Miles Jack. James Daniels, Mason Cole, all these players that were added, and I didn't even name them all. This is their first go-around. Don't forget either, by the way, folks, that like Montrevious Adams is a new player. But he was he came in it, Mike Tomlinism. He jumped on a moving train. This is his first offseason with the Steelers. That's worth noting, in my opinion. It's going to be interesting to see how those rookies and free agents interact and get comfortable and acclimated with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And lastly, this and I hate even saying this, it still makes me sick to my stomach. For some of these players, it's going to be their first teamwork since Dwayne Haskins passing. And I, I don't think you can undersell that. Don't think that just because it's been a couple months that it's all done and everything is just fine and dandy. No, it just doesn't work that way. The team psyche is going to be something to keep an eye on. And I doubt you would ever see that made public. But you could understand why players coming back and they're catching passes in, a, in team-like drills, and maybe they're doing some drills that they were doing down in Florida before Dwayne Haskins was hit by that truck and was killed, and it might jog a memory. It might jog some emotions. That's okay and that's natural, but this could be a tough spot for a lot of these players. The first time they go back into the facility, the first time they're around their teammates with helmets on thrown, and they might see Dwayne Haskins' old locker, or they might. It's not going to be smooth sailing with this. It's going to take time. It's going to be tough. There's going to be struggles, and this could be something to keep an eye on because it's going to be it's going to be heavy. It's going to weigh on these players for sure. So those six things: is Stefan Tua going to show up? Is DJ Deontay Johnson going to hold out? Minka Fitzpatrick, what what's his attitude going to be like waiting for his new contract? The Trubisky and Pickett, them getting acclimated with their new teams, rookies with their new teams, and the free agents, as well as the team coming off of the tragedy that is Dwayne Haskins' death. All right, we're going to learn a lot. We're also going to learn a lot in the second half of this show. I'm going to have Jeffrey Benedict for the Monday Morning Conversation coming up right after this break. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline.
Pittsburgh Steelers fans, it is the second half of the Monday podcast of Let's Ride, and that means that it is time for our Monday morning conversation. I've been teasing this probably since last Wednesday. I'm really excited uh, for a lot of reasons. My guest is Jeffrey Benedict, and you might be sitting there thinking, well, we hear Jeffrey Benedict every Tuesday on the cutting room floor. We hear him on the curtain call on Wednesday nights. I've actually never done a podcast with Jeffrey Benedict before. He's been writing for the site for, I don't know, Jeffrey, welcome to the show. How long have you been with Behind the Steel Curtain? Since 2019. Yeah, and I remember when I asked you if you wanted to write for the site, you had commented on a couple articles and you were very, you were like, well, this is wrong or whatever. And I was like, well, do you want to write for the site? And you're like, sure. And then that's how it started. <laughs> so it's weird how <laughs> things work. Here we are. Now you're a podcaster. You're a big part of the website. I appreciate all your efforts. And I will tell everyone, and I've always said this on my podcast, make sure you check out the cutting room floor every Tuesday morning. I find it unbelievably informative. I've learned a lot about football just in general from listening to you. So I appreciate that. Let's get things started here with, I want to get your, your state of the Steelers so far after this offseason. When you think about free agency, when you think about the draft, I know that players can still be added. That's, it's, we're not at that finite point where the 53-man roster is being decided now. Where, where, do you, where do you feel the Steelers are right now as we sit here in May? I would say I, I feel the Steelers are assembled. I think, they're, I think this is a team that they can go into the season with. Obviously, there are certain roster fights, roster battles that need to be decided, but it's not like the pieces aren't there. It's just which piece is the piece that's going to fit. So you, you're pretty confident. Then you like what the moves, the moves they've made, both in the draft and freedoms. You think they've kind of filled all those glaring holes? I, I would say they have filled them to their satisfaction. That is, that is how I look at it, is – how they build. And, and when you look at the weaknesses on this roster, there's multiple players that can play those spots. Like who's the number one corner. We don't know, but there's three guys. One of them is going to end up being the number one corner. Who's the starting center. We don't know, but there's multiple players who could end up taking that role right. or be the top backup and be a really good backup or at least a decent starter. And I think that's the Steelers are happy with that, especially like uh, if you just take the center position, like Kendrick green, uh, if they think he can really invest and improve, then that's the guy they're looking for. And Mason Cole is your backup plan, right? And it's not a bad backup plan. No, absolutely not. I mean, I don't think you want James Daniels at center. We'll get to that in a second. But so you, you said you like what they've assembled, the, the pieces they, that they've put in place. Mm-hmm. You and you individually, as someone that covers the team, watches a lot of film, writes about the team, a fan of the team, what are your expectations for this 2022 Steelers team? I'm going to say this, and, and it could go any number of ways, but I see them as a team that can compete for the division. And if, as long as Cincy doesn't run away with it again, like, right, if there's someone who just comes out and blows the doors off and starts winning every game, the Steelers aren't going to be in it. But I think this is a team that if this, if this, if this AFC North muddles each other down, right, if the Ravens and Browns are able to keep, you know, Cincy from exploding too much, the, the Steelers are a team that can be in the mix for this division at the end of the season. And that's what I expect. I I want this team to be a team that competes, whether they make the playoffs or not, whether they win the division or not. I want to be this team to be a team that like most years we see with the Steelers at the end of the season, they're right there in the mix. So you think they could be a playoff team? Oh, I absolutely think they could. Yeah. That's fantastic. Now let's, let's kind of flip the switch. You go from the optimism of the, 
playoffs and no Ben Roethlisberger and making the postseason. I want to ask you on offense and defense, we're going to start on the offensive side of the football. When you look at the roster that's been assembled and you like the pieces that they put in place, that's what you said. What do you mm-hmm. find to be the biggest weakness on that offensive roster right now? Weakness. Uh, I'm going to rephrase that to be question marks where they're saying what, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to redo that. Okay. I can't call anyone a weakness yet. We haven't actually seen how this I, that's team is going Go to play ahead. out. Okay. But the, my biggest question mark is still the offensive line. Absolutely still the offensive line. Dan Moore Jr. Like we like him. We like his potential, but potential is, you know, that dreaded P word. Yep. If he doesn't reach it, if he's the same guy they had that he was last year, you can't play him. Like he can't be your starter. And, and if, if that's the guy he's going to be moving forward, then that's a problem. Uh, Chukuma Korafor is good sometimes. Okay. Other times, you know, he's, he's, if he's your weakest link, he's fine. But if he's not, you're in trouble, right? And and Dan Moore could be weaker than him. And at center, there's big question marks. What are we going to have at center? Like, to me, the guards and, and James Daniel and Kevin Dotson are, are the most settled position. And I, I have complete confidence in both of them. But outside of that, there is, like, oh, there's some question marks. Which would you say between the tackles and the center is the bigger question mark in your opinion? I'm going to go with Dan Moore Jr. To just specifically Dan Moore at left tackle. Dan Moore Jr., yeah, because he could – I mean, you could see him this year. I mean, you think of the plays where he's just running people over, where he's dominating, where the plays where he actually did handle Miles Garrett at the end of the season last year, and you could sit there and say, my goodness, this guy could be a pro bowler. Or you look at the bat and say, you know what, if he doesn't come through, if he he regresses a bit from the end of last season – he could be an absolute liability. It's interesting. I, I like it. I like it. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball. Same question. I have phrased it as a weakness. You said question mark. That's fine. What would be the biggest question mark on the defensive side of the football? Ooh, that's rough. Uh, oh, there's a tough one there. I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with cornerback. Mm. Uh, even though, even though in my heart, I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to go with my gut here. I'm, I'm not, Settled on the linebackers. Really? Okay. I thought like, you were going to go defensive front, I like Devin fine. Bush. I'm a Bush fan. I, like, I like his game. I think he can bounce back. Uh, I don't know how Bush and and Miles Jack fit this defense. It's how they fit together. How this even works. To me, it's so many question marks between those two of really, really opening the door and saying, well, what are you – what's the game plan on defense, right? What are you planning on doing? And, and to me, the, the combo of, of Devin Bush and Miles Jack really asked that. Are you going to be an aggressive defense? Is this a defense that's, that's really going to bear down on linebackers and coverage? Is that what we're going for? Because that's what those two, both of them have those strengths is, is running after the ball and, and being in coverage. But if you're relying on linebackers and coverage, then like, like how are you, are you stopping the run? Are you even worried about that? I, I just, there's so many questions and the defense looks like it's going to be on one hand, looks like they're just rolling it back and they're going to try and do the same things to do it. They do every year, but at other points you're like, well, this, if you do that, then then why do you have a miles Jack and Devin Bush on the same team? Like, why are you doing this? Who's, who's the second linebacker? Cause both of them play the same role. Right. I, I don't know. I, and there's, that's to me is the biggest, the biggest question mark on defense for me. 
It's a good segue into the next topic that I wanted to bring up with you, and I call it deciphering the unknown. There's two facets of this whole Pittsburgh Steelers team offensively, defensively, that to me are completely unknowns. No one knows. We can all speculate. We can all guess. We can try to forecast what it's going to look like, but ultimately we don't know because we have yet to see it. Something you brought up earlier. You bring up Miles Jack, Devin Bush being very similar in what they want to do. How much of maybe what the Steelers are assembling is a different defensive scheme that we've never seen based on Brian Flores and Terrell Austin kind of putting their heads together and saying, this is what we're going to try to do in regards to like, so try to decipher it. Do you see any moves that have been made so far that you're thinking I can see what they're trying to at least put together. And let's start on the defensive side with Austin and Flores. Uh, yeah. Looking on the defensive side, to me, there are two, I'm actually going to go with three because uh, DeMarvin Leal, the, the, the rookie, dra- the rookie yeah. draft pick, uh, but two free agent acquisitions in Jannard Avery and the safety, uh, DeMonte Kazee. They fit what Flores, they fit Flores's roster, right? DeMonte Kazee is that undersized cornerback turned safety that when, when Flores runs his defense, he has three safeties that play a lot. And one of them is almost always a former cornerback who's too small to be a regular like safety in the box, stuff like that. And DeMonte Kazi is that dude. He fits that position. And with Terrell Edmonds on a cheap contract and Minska Fitzpatrick, they've got that. The Steelers have three safeties and they could, you know, that fits how uh, Flores wants to operate. And then on linebackers, we've got uh, the outside linebacker, Jannard Avery, I already said his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he is that inside outside kind of guy. Like you think of uh oh my goodness, what is it? Kyle Van Noy that has done really well with Austin and not really anything else without him. Because he's a kind of that hybrid. Is he an inside linebacker? He's an outside linebacker, doesn't really fit. The Steelers just brought that guy in and a Jannard Avery who fits that mold perfectly and could be a big factor in this defense or could be just another nobody that we signed and is a backup. And DeMarvin Leal is the perfect, like outside, like three, four defensive end. Uh, not, not an edge, but a, a defensive end that plays inside. He is perfect for that, for what Flores has used in the past for how he likes to scheme things. So those three to me are additions that scream Brian Flores. And that's a precautionary tale, I feel like, for all the fans out there that listen to our podcast that might have had, might have kind of a doom and gloom look outlook on certain aspects of the team, players that have been acquired, whether it's through free agency or the draft, doesn't matter. There might be some thoughts, and, and they might look different, folks. And that's I, Jeffrey just explained it perfectly with some of these acquisitions that they fit what the Steelers might want to do now. We just don't know what that looks like. But let's go to the offensive side. Matt Canada... He's been there for a year, but no one that knows anything about football would say that he's had all the pieces of the puzzle to that, that he wants on the team, meaning quarterback that's mobile, uh, quarterback that's not afraid to go under center, play action pass, offensive line. What do you see that looking like in 2022 with Canada now having the pieces of the puzzle that, that I think we all agree are there now? Well, yeah, it's going to be a lot of, we're going to see a lot of tight end usage. We're going to see, I think Connor Hayward may get on the field a decent bit five six snaps a game even up up to that much even as a rookie 
I think you're going to see a lot more of the interior motion. Uh, I, I kind of agree to Kevin Smith. He kind of won me over with Matt Canada looks like he's building an offense similar to one they had at the University of Pittsburgh when he coached there, when they had that huge upset of Clemson mm -hmm. those years back. And he recruited Matt Canada recruited. Uh, oh, gosh, I'm terrible. With Kenny names right now. Kenny Pickett. Yeah, he, he recruited Pickett to come play that offense. And now he's got him back. Connor, Connor Hayward is a perfect example of uh, what's his name? Aston from that team that was a fullback slash H back. And, yeah. and they, that guy had 10 touchdowns, five receiving and five rushing that year. Now I don't think it will be the same here, but he, he could be an issue. Uh, he's got the tight ends to do it with Zach Gentry and Pat Fryermuth. You've got two front tight ends that really work with his plays. I did a, a recent we did a recent vertex dave and i on zach gentry and showed one of the things i wanted to show in there is how dangerous zach gentry was on matt canada's plays right on the plays that are clearly from the matt canada playbook not stuff the steelers had run before those were where zach gentry shined because he he uses his fact that he's a good blocker against the defense not just as a blocker but as you don't know if this guy's blocking or not my favorite is one where Davion Clowney is rushing. Zach Gentry gets a good grip on him. Uh, Clowney does like a rip move, gets past him, and is like, I beat him. Ben lost the ball over his head. Zach Gentry just turned around, catch it. He let him go. He started to block him. The minute he made a move, he's like, oh, you beat me. And then you know, <laughs> ran up two yards and turned around and caught the ball. Ran for like, I think, 14 yards on that play. It, that's the kind of stuff that Zach Gentry, that you can see, you know, a guy like that, a guy like Connor Hayward, really get into and that's the Matt Canada offense when those guys can come in add to the blocking add to the run game but also every time they block you and you beat them you don't know if you just beat them or if you just got beat that's a really good way to put it I love that I, I think that's a really good way of you know you're the first person that I've heard really talk about how tight end centric this offense could be under yeah. Matt Canada um, and it's, it's a good, it's a good eye-opening experience. I want to ask you about the rookies. Let's let's remove Kenny Pickett from the equation, okay. which rookie that was drafted. So now we're talking about six players, not, I guess you could take all the Doku out. So now we're talking five, which do you think will be the most impactful in 2022? Not just amount of playing time, but they're going to have an impact on this team, whether it's offense or defense. What do you think? George Pickens. Okay. I'm going to go with Pickens. I, that deep threat matters so much and i know the, the only caveat i have to put on that is this is not ben roethlisberger's team anymore i've i've shown in the past where a deep threat opened up this offense and with ben roethlisberger's offense i should call it ben roethlisberger's offense when he had a deep threat opened it up like nobody else the the correlation between team offense and sammy Coates catching footballs down the sideline or martavis bryant catching balls was a bigger correlation to, to offensive success than even Antonio Brown because Ben Roethlisberger used those guys so well, and that disappeared. But I think what we're going to see with Pickens is that come back because not only did Ben's arm go a little not as good, he didn't have the guys. They brought in James Washington. They brought in Chase Claypool. James Washington didn't run routes well enough to be that you know deep threat chase claypool is a good route runner but he's not a contested catch guy he's not a combat catch guy he's not going up and grabbing those deep balls that's george pickens george pickens is 
that guy. If you're looking for a guy and you're saying, okay, even if he's a one-trick pony, that trick is good enough that he's going to work out. You're looking at guys like a Martavis Bryant, like a Mike Wallace, and like George Pickens. He is that guy. He's got the speed. He's got the ability off the releases. He's got the route running. And, man, does he bring in balls downfield. And when you add in that field-stretching ability of a George Pickens, if they can get that deep ball going, if they can get some of the motion going with Matt Canada, and they can get that interior run game going, this offense is going to be impressive. It's going to be moving the ball better, more reliably than the Steelers offense has since probably 2018. Would you agree that if it doesn't work this year, that Matt Canada might be on the hot seat? I can see... Yes, I think this year would put him on the cot seat if it didn't go well this year. Not that he would get fired. Not that he would get fired, but it it would start heating up. He would definitely be. He would definitely be. His his seat would be hot. Okay, let me ask you a a question, and it's on the defensive side, free agents. Uh, Which which player do you think will have more of an impact on the defense in twenty twenty two? Miles Jack or Levi Wallace? Oh wow. Okay, uh, I'll go Miles Jack. I think Levi Wallace is going to be Joe Hayden. They, he just the, the same role Joe Hayden was playing, Levi Wallace is just going to plug in and do it. Similar to the way they brought in Trey Norwood to plug in and be Cameron Sutton in dime, right? Yeah. He's just going to be that guy. Like they're going to say, this is what you do, go play it. So we're, he won't be as noticeable. The, the, the thing with him will be the defense will just work because he's filling a, a role that needed filled. Miles Jack brings something different to the equation especially when you look back and you see how he played when he was in Jacksonville and they had that defensive line in front of him when they had the really good defensive line in front of him when they had good cornerbacks when that defense was actually good Miles Jack was a monster to deal with when that defense around him got less good teams just constantly put people in his path ran things to get him in the wrong place ran plays away from him just They just made him wrong, right? Whatever your assignment is in the defense, that's not where we're going. Or we're going to exploit what your role is in this defense because we can. There aren't other people there that we have to worry about. Miles Jack, to me, brings an X factor in what, not just how good he is, but the expansion of that role that we could see. Is he a good blitzer? Well, he hasn't been, but there was a time when he was. Could he be that again? I think so. On this defense, I think so. He's got coverage. He's going to run. He's going to tackle. And I think he's going to blitz. I think he's going to do everything on this defense and be kind of an X factor. Love it. Let's finish this thing up with over under. Now I know you've, you've heard the Steelers preview before. I love over under. I do have a a soft spot for gambling, even though I don't do it. I just find it interesting. So here we go. Over under three of them. Number one, the first number is 14 and a half. And that is Najee Harris games played in 2022. Are you taking the over or the under? I'm taking the over. Oh, okay. So you're thinking he's going to be durable again in in his second year. I like it. Okay, very good. Next one is five and a half. And that is Kenny Pickett starts in 2022. Ooh. Oh, my goodness. As much as I'd love to go under on that and say he gets to sit most of the year, history tells us that's not going to happen. So I'm going to go over. Wow. Do you think that'll be on performance or injury base? Meaning, will, will he? Will, I don't. Do you, do I you don't think know. he's going? Do you think he's going to win the job in camp? 
No, absolutely okay. not. I don't I don't think there's much chance of that. Okay, I agree. Not because he doesn't play well though. Right. Just the amount of stuff he has to learn and the step up he has to take. Yeah. I don't I don't think he can do that that quick. Okay, and the last one, and it is the simplest one, and it is seven and a half, and that is what most books have. The Steelers wins uh, this year in 2022 is literally seven and a half. You taking the over or the under? If it was eight and a half, I'd say push. They're gonna, they're gonna, they're <laughs> not gonna go below 500. Uh, no, I'm kidding. But yeah, no, over, over easily. This is not, this is not a losing record team. I, I've been saying it on this podcast for weeks now. Hammer the over. If you're a gambler and you want to put money on something, put some money on the Steelers going over seven and a half. If they go under, they've been ravished by injuries. But all right, Jeffrey, yeah, eight, great. eight nine would be like eight nine would be like the worst season they've had yeah. in forever since. Uh, well, yeah, because that would be because eight and eight Coward. was the worst. Yeah, since <laughs> two thousand and three, they finished six and ten. But still. Yeah. Jeffrey, thank you for taking the time. I always give uh, all my guests on the Monday Morning Conversation a chance to plug not only their social media, say whatever they want about their own shows, in your case, uh, the shows that you do. So go ahead. You have the floor. All right. On Twitter, it's at Fantaskippy, P-H-A-N-T-A-S-K-I-P-P-Y, at Fantaskippy. Uh, I, I do film rooms and articles all the time on the website. I never know when they're coming out because I don't. Yeah, that's my Jeff job. can tell you. I don't keep my schedule <laughs> properly. I'm kind of a nightmare at that. But uh, my radio shows Wednesday night. Check out the curtain call. We're still working through the, all the roster in the offseason. And on Tuesdays, cutting room floor. That's that's my favorite show I get to do. That's that's my baby. Uh, so check that out Tuesdays every week behind the steel curtain. Perfect. Perfect. Jeffrey, thank you for the time. As always, great segment. And uh, I'll be talking to you soon. All right. Thanks, Jeff. See ya. And a big thank you, as always, to all of my guests for on the Monday Morning Conversation, especially Jeffrey, who took the time out of his busy schedule to answer questions. He did a great job. I love talking to him about the X's and O's, getting his thoughts. He's a guy, in my opinion, that always is willing to kind of think outside the box. He's not one to follow trends. You see these trends all the time on social media about, oh, uh, I'll give you an example. He, he brought this up on last Tuesday's Cutting Room Floor podcast, talking about the running game, how everyone says, oh, Najee Harris has poor vision. He's one that's going to say, well, wait a second, does he really have poor vision? He's going to look at the film. He's going to break it down in his own way. I love it. I thank Jeffrey for his time. And I hope you, my Ride or Die crew, are ready for the mailbag segment. Be on the lookout for that tweet on Tuesday. All you have to do is follow me on Twitter, at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N, underscore P-I-T. On Tuesday around noon is when I put out the question. You respond to that tweet. I answer it, no doubt about it, on Wednesday in the second half. I love my Ride or Die crew. I really do. You all are the best. You know how we finished out here, folks. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Have a great rest of your day. Have a good start to your week. I'll see you on Wednesday. Go Steelers.